Chapter Two, Book Five of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Amelia, Volume Two by Henry Fielding. Chapter Two, in which Booth pays a visit to the noble lord. When that day of the week returned in which Mr. Booth chose to walk abroad, he went to wait on the noble peer, according to his kind invitation. Booth now found a very different reception with this great man's porter from what he had met with at his friend's the colonel's. He no sooner told his name than the porter with a bow told him his lordship was at home the door immediately flew wide open and he was conducted to an antechamber where a servant told him he would acquaint his lordship with his arrival nor did he wait many minutes before the same servant returned and ushered him to his lordship's apartment he found my lord alone and was received by him in the most courteous manner imaginable after the first ceremonials were over his lordship began in the following words mr booth i do assure you you are very much obliged to my cousin ellison she hath given you such a character that i shall have a pleasure in doing anything in my power to serve you but it will be very difficult i am afraid to get you a rank at home in the west indies perhaps or in some regiment abroad it may be more easy and when i consider your reputation as a soldier i make no doubt of your readiness to go to any place where the service of your country shall call you booth answered that he was highly obliged to his lordship and assured him he would with great cheerfulness attend his duty in any part of the world the only thing grievous in the exchange of countries said he in my opinion is to leave those i love behind me and i am sure i shall never have a second trial equal to my first it was very hard my lord to leave a young wife big with his first child and so affected with my absence that i had the utmost reason to despair of ever seeing her more after such a demonstration of my resolution to sacrifice every other consideration to my duty i hope your lordship will honour me with some confidence that i shall make no objection to serve in any country my dear mr booth answered the lord you speak like a soldier and i greatly honour your sentiments indeed i own the justice of your inference from the example you have given for to quit a wife as you say in the very infancy of the marriage is i acknowledge some trial of resolution booth answered with a low bow and then after some immaterial conversation his lordship promised to speak immediately to the minister and appointed mr booth to come to him again on the wednesday morning that he might be acquainted with his patron's success the poor man now blushed and looked silly till after some time he summoned up all his courage to his assistance and relying on the other's friendship he opened the whole affair of his circumstances 
and confessed that he did not dare stir from his lodgings above one day in seven his lordship expressed great concern at this account and very kindly promised to take some opportunity of calling on him at his cousin ellison's when he hoped he said to bring him comfortable tidings booth soon afterwards took his leave with the most profuse acknowledgments for so much goodness and hastened home to acquaint his amelia with what had so greatly overjoyed him she highly congratulated him on his having found so generous and powerful a friend towards whom both their bosoms burned with the warmest sentiments of gratitude she was not however contented till she had made booth renew his promise in the most solemn manner of taking her with him after which they sat down with their little children to a scrack of mutton and broth with the highest satisfaction and very heartily drank his lordship health in a pot of porter in the afternoon this happy couple if the reader will allow me to call poor people happy drank tea with mrs ellison where his lordship's praises being again repeated by both the husband and wife were very loudly echoed by mrs ellison while they were here the young lady whom we have mentioned at the end of the last book to have made a fourth at whist and with whom amelia seemed so much pleased came in she was just returned to town from a short visit in the country and her present visit was unexpected it was however very agreeable to amelia who liked her still better upon a second interview and was resolved to solicit her further acquaintance mrs bennet still maintained some little reserve but was much more familiar and communicative than before she appeared moreover to be as little ceremonious as mrs ellison had reported her and very readily accepted amelia's apology for not paying her the first visit and agreed to drink tea with her the very next afternoon whilst the above-mentioned company were sitting in mrs ellison's parlour sergeant atkinson passed by the window and knocked at the door mrs ellison no sooner saw him than she said pray mr booth who is that genteel young sergeant he was here every day last week to inquire after you this was indeed a fact the sergeant was apprehensive of the design of murphy but as the poor fellow had received all his answers from the maid of mrs ellison booth had never heard a word of the matter he was however greatly pleased with what he was now told and burst forth into great phrases of the sergeant which were seconded by amelia who added that he was her foster-brother and she believed one of the honestest fellows in the world and i'll swear cries mrs ellison he's one of the prettiest do mr booth desire him to walk in a sergeant of the guards is a gentleman and i had rather give such a man as you describe a dish of tea than any view frivol of them all booth wanted no great solicitation to show any kind of regard to atkinson and accordingly the surgeon was ushered in though not without some reluctance on his side 
there is perhaps nothing more uneasy than those sensations which the french call the mauvaise honte nor any more difficult to conquer and poor atkinson would i am persuaded have mounted a bridge with less concern than he should in walking across a room before three ladies two of whom were his about well-wishers though i do not entirely agree with the late learned mr essex the celebrated dancing-master's opinion that dancing is the rudiment of polite education as he would i apprehend exclude every other art and science yet it is certain that persons whose feet have never been under the hands of the professors of that art are apt to discover this want in their education in every motion nay even when they stand or sit still they seem indeed to be overburdened with limbs which they know not how to use as if when nature had finished her work the dancing-master still is necessary to put it in motion atkinson was at present an example of this observation which doth so much honour to a profession for which i have very high regard he was handsome and exquisitely well made and yet as he had never learned to dance he made so awkward an appearance in mrs ellison's parlour that the good lady herself who had invited him in could at first scarce refrain from laughter at his behaviour he had not however been long in the room before admiration of his person got the better of such risible ideas so great is the advantage of beauty in men as well as women and so sure is this quality in either sex of procuring some regard from the beholder the exceeding courteous behaviour of mrs ellison joined to that of amelia and booth at length dissipated the uneasiness of atkinson and he gained sufficient confidence to tell the company some entertaining stories of accidents that had happened in the army within his knowledge which though they greatly pleased all present are not however of consequence enough to have a place in this history mrs ellison was so very importunate with her company to stay supper that they all consented as for the sergeant he seemed to be none of the least welcome guests she was indeed so pleased with what she had heard of him and what she saw of him that when a little warmed with wine for she was no flincher at the bottle she began to indulge some freedoms in her discourse towards him that a little offended amelia's delicacy nay they did not seem to be highly relished by the other lady though i am far from insinuating that these exceeded the bounds of decorum or were indeed greater liberties than ladies of the middle age and especially widows do frequently allow to themselves End of chapter two recorded by Gabby Cowan.